True Crime Girls contains content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. these survivors can get through their incredible circumstances you can get through the work week you've been complaining about since monday all right well welcome to episode three season three of true actually it probably should have been season three episode three that's okay that's fine three three of true crime girls (laughs) welcome back um we're back for another episode we should do an intro of just plain survivor by destiny's child we should. <laughs> I just don't want to get like a cease and desist copyright infringement from That's Beyonce. True. I don't really feel like it. Because um, she, she cares. Yes, guys. She so does listen much. in case anybody was wondering. And that's why we're scared. But She's, it's fine. Queen Bay is our biggest fan. And we don't want to piss her off. Uh, Blue Ivy is too, but that's like on the deal. <laughs> um. Okay, so for hi, for those of you who are just, okay, hi, yeah, hi. Uh, (laughs) For those of you who are just tuning in, this is your first episode, super random, but hi, we're True Crime Girls. Welcome. We um, are three friends who like to talk about true crime, so we decided to put microphones in front of our faces so you could listen in on our conversations. It's our gift to the world. Yes, you're welcome. Um, I am Kylie TCG. I'm Janine TCG. What? I'm just Kylie. Why Why did I say that? That's oh, so weird. It, it's like we're Sailor Moon characters. <laughs> I'm just Kylie. That's my Instagram <laughs> handle, though. <laughs> okay, go I, ahead. in real life, am Janine TCG. That's how, <laughs> that's how my servants address me. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I'm Eileen. <just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you going to say something? <laughs> yeah. No, she's just <laughs> legally changing her name to annoyed. <laughs> forever annoyed. Yeah. You can tell by the look on my face. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about today? And I don't know why I thought about this when I was in the shower. But we are like, well, I am so unorganized in all of this. And people still love that shit. Oh, people think because we it's have real. our shit together. Yeah. Like, like they 100% think that we know what we're doing. Like just in case anybody's wondering, this is how recording goes. Um, we figure out what we want to do for the season we have our topics and I'm speaking for myself here I literally do my topic the night before I'm going to record and finish it as they're setting up for us to record this is how much research I put into my topics these last few ones I've done the same thing I was beginning of the year it's crazy yeah I was actually really good this time you were like I got it done in the week yeah, and I got it done because Spencer wasn't home on – when did, was he home? 
He wasn't home on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I think it was Wednesday when you were like, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Yeah, those were like, my days. I, have I was no like, idea. I'm knocking it out after work. I'm doing this. And so I can spend as much time with my boo as possible. <laughs> can't relate. Every single episode I've ever done <laughs> since the beginning, I've done it the night before. Yeah. Yeah, normally I, I started have more off time. being like super organized, yeah. and then and then and then life, and then, <laughs> and then life. Yeah, this year's been the last few months have been kind of crazy. So just even a planning a little bit has been a nightmare. But here just we are, find, like a flow. We're surviving. We're thriving. And why do you per- have a Moira accent right there? Did I? Yes, we're thriving here. Thriving. <laughs> <laughs> Now you sound like you're Salma Hayek trying to say driving. Lord have mercy. Because <laughs> I'm driving you crazy. <laughs> now I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Speaking of surviving, Eileen has survived. Um, now two seasons. No. Yeah. Just barely. Proud. Just hanging on. I'm, I'm hanging on by a, by a thread. But she's here. Yeah. Um. But we this episode that we are doing today is um, our Soul Survivors episode. Mine so is so sad. That was a topic. And yeah. There were some so. really good ones, though. I literally saw the first one I saw. Oh, my God. So did I. And really and then, but there's did you really? But there's a reason. Actually, both of your – well, I know what Kyle's doing. Yours sounds really good. Yeah. And I, I chose, really and I'll go into why I chose mine even more. But um, I worked on PCH when it happened, so oh. I remember it. And so when I typed in Google like Soul Survivor stories, that one of those articles was the first one that popped up. I was like, "That's it, done, done. <laughs> Thank you, universe. Appreciate it." <laughs> no, mine I'd never heard of, and it's actually kind of recent. Okay. You, who wants to go first? We ah oh, fuck, we didn't talk about it. Nope, I'll go last. I can go first since I'm already kind of like talking about it a little bit. On la- last? What? Did you say you wanted to go last? No, I don't care about this one. Um, <laughs> but okay, yeah. Since you're already segwaying. Okay. Yeah, since I'm already – okay, so yeah, this one. And like actually when I got into it, it's not like a – I guess it's not a sole survivor thing as you would think. It's, uh, there was a sole survivor in the individuals who actually got injured. So mm. not the people who – everyone who was in – the area but um of the people who got injured there was only one survivor so um i am doing um salon maritage um it's a salon in still beach um and like i said at the time i actually worked maybe maybe like two miles away from when this happened it was when i worked at fearless records i was an intern there um when it was Still in Huntington Beach, and um, what year is this? 2011. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, and like I remember, I remember being in the office, and like we got like an alert on our phones. I think that there was like something going on or something like that. I feel, and then um, we heard there was like a shooting, and it was right around. It was right around. It was just after. It happened just after one o'clock, so it was around like lunchtime, kind yeah. of. And so we all like were like, "Well, can we go out?" Like, and then that was how I got home was on PCH going past it. So, anyways, um, 
So I'll just get into the story and then I can talk about like that day a little bit more. Okay. But uh, I have on October 12th, 12th, hmm. what? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. On October yes, 12th, starting strong. 2011, <laughs> yep. Salon Meritage in Seal Beach, California opened just like any other day. The stylists were there with their clients, making about 20 people in the salon at the time. Uh, just after 1 o'clock p.m., Scott Evans Decry, I think that's how you pronounce his name, walked into the salon and yeah. began firing. Uh, many escaped by running into the streets or hiding in local businesses. Decry was armed with three handguns and reloaded at least once during the attack. The entire incident lasted a total of two minutes, but in that time, eight people had been shot. Six people were declared dead at the scene, with the other three being rushed to the hospital. Two of them died of their wounds, leaving one sole survivor. Uh, Decry actually fled the scene, but was later stopped and arrested about a half mile from the salon. So the story is his ex-wife, Michelle Fournier, was an employee at the salon and one of the victims, um, basically the first victim, uh, the two were in a custody dispute. And so he thought it was a great idea to just go in there and shoot her. So she actually like had the most wounds. Like he went in there and just like shot her like a bunch of times and then just started like shooting everybody else in there. Um, And then also... As he was leaving, he shot someone in the parking lot. They were just sitting in their car, and he just shot them. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, fuck all of you. Oh, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> yeah, it was so – I remember that. It was like – it was such like – I was like, dude, like that person, you know, like not that any of them like were expecting this to happen. Yeah, but, but they weren't even in the salon. Like they had nothing to do like, with it. He wasn't even like I think getting his – and the, the complex that the salon is in – um, like it has like restaurants and like a bunch of different things. Um, I'm trying to think of like one of the main restaurants to like give you guys perspective because I know you kind of know the area, but I can't remember what. But the, just I, imagine I like being like in a, any shopping but. center, like being at a store or in the in parking Seal lot, Beach, like or it's so exactly, like, and then you just yeah. fucking hear shooting breakout. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually the worst mass murder in Orange County. Um, and it was the first murder in four years at the time in Seal Beach. So they hadn't had a murder in four years. And then this happened. Um, it's just a really safe town. I mean, it's a super close knit town. Like anyone who goes there, it's like, it's like actually one of my like favorite beaches to go Mm because it's so chill. Same. It's always Um, empty. Yeah, it's always empty. I love it. Exactly. It's just, and like their little boardwalk that they have there. It's just like. It's really nice. Um, And so the salon actually reopened under the same name in 2012. They remodeled it, kept it open. So it is still there. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, that's the main story. I'm going to read off um, the victims' names right now, and then I'll kind of go into the aftermath of what happened after he was caught and all of that. So it's Victoria... And I'm, I'm, if I butcher any of these names, I don't think anyone who knows them is going to be listening. But, <laughs> but if you are, we're sorry. If you are, I'm so sorry. Uh, Victoria Buzo, 54. David Kaowet, 64. Randy Lee Fannin, 62. Michelle Dashbach Fast, 47. 
Michelle Marie Fournier, 48, Lucia Bernice Condas, 65, Laura Webb, 46, Christy Lynn Wilson, 47, and the sole survivor was Hattie Stretz. She was 73. Um, she was having her hair done by her daughter, who was victim Laura Webb. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. You hit that with us. You hit us with that now? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's super sad. So October 14th, 2011, Dick Rye was charged with eight counts of murder with special circumstances and one of attempted murder. Dick Rye entered a plea of not guilty, but eventually changed the plea to guilty. The fucking nerve. I know. It's like, uh, Bridger. <laughs> I never understand that, but whatever. I'm sure there's a reason and someone could probably like tweet us and let us know the reasoning for why people plead not guilty when it's obvious that they're guilty. And I'm sure I could have Googled it, but who has time for that? Because we're right. Um, There's no reason for that to be done. (laughs) That's why. In March 2015, the OC District Attorney's Office was removed from the case and the judge determined that the office had violated Dick Rye's rights. By improperly withholding evidence from the defense. I'm Stupid. Sorry. I mean, I mean, was there a possibility he may have been innocent? No, but th- that's the problem. Is if you misstep in the law, they can just it can. F- it, yeah. Yeah. It's You're sucks. right. Yeah. And I felt a lot of people get off on technicalities like that. He didn't get off. He did not get off. That's but still, um, in August 27th, the ju- ju- the juge the, the juge. juge. The ju- <laughs> honorable <dude. laughs> recording is uh, hard, guys. It's so hard. Uh, the judge ruled that Dick Rye was ineligible to receive the death penalty because of this misconduct. So he probably would have got the death penalty if they hadn't fucked up. But it's also California, so exactly. Yeah, death penalty is moot. Yeah. Instead, Decry was sentenced to eight terms of life in prison without parole and one term of seven years to life for the attempted murder. Um, The pictures of like the family speaking at his trial, like um, Hattie actually like spoke and like gave her testimony and like there was family behind. It's like so heartbreaking. I also think I remember someone that I went to high school with because I remember seeing on Facebook knew one of the victims. And so that it's just like everything about this hit really close to home. Um, I remember that day um, they ended up opening PCH by the time I was going home around like five o'clock. Um, they obviously still had things like at the salon, but, um, but I'm sure like, since it was in the center, like like, it was all blocked off. Yeah, like when it first happened, because they didn't know where he was because yeah. he fled. Um, but um, I remember like passing it, and it was just like this weird. Like I didn't know anybody, but I was just like super sad, and like it was just. It's one of those communities, and for those of you who know the area, it's just one of those communities that you'd like kind of never really think that anything like that is going to happen, and yeah. it's just it's a very like close knit community and it was just super sad to know that it happened there and it was really weird I don't know and so when I saw it pop up it just felt like I was like oh my gosh I have to do it and then I was like doing it I was like oh but it's not like really a sole survivor but I mean if he went in there attempting to kill everybody you know like yeah one yeah person he, I think he just counts. went in there he knew he wanted to mm-hmm. kill 
Michelle, obviously. Um, and then I think he was just like, everybody else was just collateral damage. Um, That's so fucking sad. So and sad. then the survivor, her fucking daughter died in there mm-hmm. as well. And so if I remember correctly, I don't have this written down, but so the injuries that she sustained were specifically like to her hand, probably because oh, she was like, yeah, like blocking. I know you guys can't see what I'm doing, but I'm like putting up my <laughs> hand. To- <laughs> so I just realized it's a microphone. Um <laughs> Um, I'm like putting up my hand, like kind of like blocking my face. I'm assuming that's probably what she was doing, but like I know like her hand and like her arm were like really messed up and stuff like that. So ugh, I just can't imagine like going through your own personal injuries and then knowing that your daughter has yeah. passed away because of it. And um, in two that was it in 2016? Yeah, that's math, right? 2011, 2016. That's five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had like a little um, like press conference there. Hattie was there. They spoke, you know, just about the incident, remembering everyone. Um, so it's still something that's prominent in the community that everyone remembers. Um, in one of the parks out there, they actually have a memorial like statue um, for the victims. So, yeah. Oh Still beach. Love you. <laughs> and then it's like a beach city. So nothing. It's always really quiet. You know, you always uh-huh. have like your weekend kind of visitors, but you never mm-hmm. expect something like that to happen. Right. Especially somewhere right. like that. Yeah. So those poor babies. Yeah. They were so young, too, just trying to get their hair did. I know. Or just chilling in the car, like waiting for your so partner sad. to get their hair did. Just let them do that. So sad. That's my story. It wasn't too long, but I just had to do it. I do remember that. I just don't remember it being so, like, so soon. Or, like, yeah, maybe that's the wrong word. Like, not so long ago. Yeah. I mean, I only, well, me, Internet Fearless feels like 10 decades ago. Yeah, true. But, um, like, I just know it wasn't that long ago because of that. But, yeah. It was really, really, really crazy. And then, like, even the days after, I know, like, the next day, I think they had, like, a candlelight vigil, and they had, like, a bunch of stuff. So things were always happening there um, in the days and weeks past. So it was crazy. Do you want to go, or do you think yours is good enough to save to the end? Because you said we were going to hate it. (laughs) I can go. She's like, you guys are going to hate it, but love it. Yeah. Well, you guys are oh, hating it and loving it. I know, Aileen. Like, oh, so it's really a good bad. one. So basically what you're saying, it's a good one. <laughs> I guess. All right. Let me get closer. Am I good? Yeah. Excuse me. Okay. Um, Aurora, Colorado, January 1984. Bruce and Deborah Bennett, along with their two daughters, seven-year-old Melissa and three-year-old Vanessa, oh, no. were turning in for the evening when a man broke into their home and attacked them. Sorry, oh, he didn't come and tickle them? No. Sorry. That was supposed to be read together, but I scribbled and I'm... Yeah, I need to stop writing. Um, we know. January 17th, 1984, Constance Bennett, mother of Bruce Bennett, became worried when her family didn't show up for work at the family store, so she went to check on them at their home. What she found was a nightmare come to life. Bruce's body was a heaping pile at the bottom of the stairs, his throat cut with a butcher knife. Upstairs, Deborah and Melissa's bludgeon... Deborah and Melissa... Melissa, fuck. 
<laughs> no one is safe. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Upstairs, Deborah and Melissa bludgeoned to death in their beds. Vanessa, again, only three at the time, was found in her bed. She was attacked like her family. However, she was still alive, but just barely. The unknown assailant had sexually assaulted Deborah and seven-year-old Melissa oh. before beating them both to death. Oh. Vanessa was taken to the hospital with a shattered face and skull. More than 30 years later in an interview, Vanessa recalls her life in the aftermath of losing her entire family. She has very little recollection of what happened, explaining her various injuries, stating, My jaw was wired shut. I had tubes in my nose to eat. I went through physical therapy. I had braces on my legs. I had paralysis on my left side. I have a metal plate in my forehead. I have frontal lobe issues because I was hit in the head with a hammer. My oh, skull, my God. My skull kind of breaks right here, pointing at her head. <gasps> my jaw is shattered, which is kind of, I need a facelift. Um, I had a tracheotomy here. I had scars on my ankles, stomach, everywhere, pretty much. Um, but the physical stars, scars aren't all she has to live with. Her mental scars are a whole other battle. She was diagnosed with PTSD, ADHD, bipolar disorder, and she has had a few run-ins with the law and became addicted to drugs to cope with the pain from losing her parents and sister. Oh, no. Saying, my parents dying was the main reason I started using. I had issues with my grandmother growing up because of my anger issues, and I kind of turned to drugs. I'm not saying just because of her, but I was hurt growing up, and she was hurt. And I just chose a different path um, of trying to make things go away. The murderer wasn't apprehended. In fact, the only thing authorities knew was that he was a white male. And DNA evidence was connected to a crime committed a week prior when a woman was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. Oh my god, this fucking hammer. Mm -hmm. The crimes were described as opportunistic, motive being robbery. As Deborah's purse and its contents Ugh. were spread out in the front, front lawn of the home. There were no witnesses because the quiet neighborhood the Bennetts had recently moved to was fairly new, with most of the homes still empty. Uh. In August of 2018, 34 years after these horrific crimes took place, Vanessa Bennett got a phone call that would change her life again. DNA evidence from the family's murders matched a man who was already in prison for violent crimes. <gasps> Alex Christopher Ewing was serving a 40-year sentence since August 1984, seven months after he slaughtered her family oh. for assault with a deadly weapon and attempted murder in Nevada. Holy, and where was this? Colorado. Oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. He's going everywhere. DNA matched after samples were uploaded into the FBI's CODIS database. Vanessa Bennett can finally begin to heal knowing justice will be served for her and her family as Alex Ewing will be extradited to Colorado to pay for his crimes. She's now getting help for her mental health and substance abuse problems, saying she is hopeful for the future and she has big things planned. Oh, my <sighs> God. <sighs> what a poor little angel. Can you okay? So first of all, and I'll I'll upload a, the clip of her um her interview because she just did this interview in August two thousand eighteen. A three oh year old, God. their skull is still fresh. Their bones uh -huh. are still forming. How the fuck does she survive something like that? She's supposed to be here. No one knows. Oh my God! She was supposed to be here. That is. For, not that people who don't make it aren't supposed to be here, but yeah. <laughs> she was just, supposed to survive for her family to find some justice, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, and tell her story. Like, you know, like, I feel like with these soul survivor stories, like, I know um, my favorite murder has done, like, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, like... I feel like them just being able to tell their stories of, like, strength and, like, heroism and stuff, like, especially because a lot of them are women, um, 
Yeah. It's just like, it's amazing. It's inspiring. I like, I like this one because she was yeah. only three years old. Like most of the soul survivors you hear are like older. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. Oh, uh, her parents, Bruce and Deborah. Bruce was 27. Deborah was 26. So they were oh super young. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they were such babies. Mm-hmm. And she says that she doesn't have any recollection of what happened, but she does remember the Christmas before it happened. And they had just moved oh. there Thanksgiving. Around I was Thanksgiving. just going to say, does she even remember them? Because she's so young. Yeah, but barely. But she yeah, doesn't remember I can imagine. much about it, obviously, because of what happened and then the fact that she was so young. Was she the youngest yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, because so the other one was seven. Seven, yeah. Fuck, dude. <gasps> That's so sad. <clears throat> That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then the other crimes that he was, um, he was accused, the one that he was in, in prison for was he was atta- attacked someone with um, an axe. Wait, and it was just random? It was, it was just, just random. robbery. Yeah. Robbery. And, uh, he, the, the, the people who were investigating it said that it was basically like he went in there to rob them and then just figured like, I'm not going to leave here without getting what I want. So I'm just going to do this because I can. What a piece of And then the fact shit. that he could do all that because the neighborhood was... technically empty yeah like not that um crimes like this that happen that do have other reasons are any better but like when it's just like random like that like oh it's like even less purpose Mm -hmm. like not that oh you know what i mean like i'm not trying to like it's just like scarier too though because it's like yeah you there's nothing yeah like there's like no reason it's just people are any meeny miny mo like (laughs) <clears throat> fuck wow okay well shit I we hated thought it. this was gonna be a fun episode guys <laughs> told you you're gonna hate it i and hate that it's not <clears throat> oh, I well quit. mine isn't any better so oh great yeah it's almost i didn't think that i was gonna have like the lightest story of <laughs> you the really no Jeez. you do um mine is actually kind of similar to eileen's <clears throat> Um, so this is the survival of Robin Doan. Uh, in the early morning of September 30th, 2005, an intruder broke into an isolated farmhouse in Pampa, Texas. And when I say isolated, I mean fucking isolated. They, um, there's this uh, documentary, it was like, uh, or not a documentary, like an episode of 48 Hours. I think it's um, mm-hmm. The One Who Survived or something. I don't know. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but they do like a pan out, like a helicopter kind of um, mm. clip of the house. To show the area, yeah. And there's nothing. The house is like <laughs> a dot on all this fucking land. It's insane. Um, so the intruder broke into the house. He beelined to the master bedroom and opened fire. Homeowner Brian Conrad was shot three times. Molly, the family dog, was shot no! two times. No, no. Yep. No, I'm done. No one I is quit. safe. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> uh, Brian's wife, Michelle, was shot five times, and she was six months pregnant. Oh. 14-year-old Zach was shot three times, and 10-year-old Robin was shot two times. Once the shooting ended, the intruder rummaged through the kitchen before driving off back onto the highway. Unbeknownst to this piece-of-shit intruder, 10-year-old and badass, Robin Doan survived. Not only yeah. did she survive, she wasn't so much as grazed by his two bullets. They, like, ha. completely missed her. 
Yes. <clears throat> Robin recounts uh, waking up from a dream where she remembers hearing gunshots. And when she woke up, she realized the gunshots were actually happening. Like, she woke <sighs> up and she was like, oh, fuck. How these are real. terrifying is that? Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. She got out of bed and crouched down near her bedroom door that was open. So that's why, like, she heard it because they were so loud and, like, the door mm-hmm. was open, you know? Um. Mm-hmm. And when she crouched down near the door, she heard her mom screaming, and then she heard gunshots, and then silence. <clears throat> after she heard her mom scream, after she st- she heard her mom stop screaming, she heard footsteps coming her way. She says that she took two big leaps just to jump back into her bed, and she pulled the cover the covers over her head. The intruder came into her bedroom, aimed, and fired off two shots. A terrible aim. This little girl grunted and fell over and pretended she was Queen. dead. Queen. Yes. Can I meet her? Yes. She's so fucking beautiful, too. Yes, you can. <laughs> I, I have it arranged. Surprise. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have a special guest. Um, yeah, so she she played over and fell dead. Or <gasps> She yep. played over fell and over fell dead. She played dead. dead. All right, we're just going <laughs> to skip that. Switch it. <clears throat> um, yep. She heard the shooter go into her brother's bedroom and shoot him. Mm. She laid still until um, until she saw the sun come up, which was roughly like two hours. Um, and then she grabbed the house phone. It was a cordless phone, and she ran outside to call 911. This 911 recording is fucking heartbreaking. I oh my God. could can, not can, stop crying. Are you going to put it in the sh- show notes? Yes. Okay, it's thank so you. It's so sad. So she calls and she's like, um, you know, they say 911, what's your emergency? And she says, somebody or there's a shootout in my house. Please send help. I don't know if anybody's dead. She's like, I'm I'm scared half to death. She's 10 years old. She's oh speaking so coherently. She's not screaming. She's not yelling. She's just speaking probably more calm than I'm speaking to you now. And then, like, she kind of breaks down every once in a while. And she's like, please, I just want my mommy. Please, I just want my mom. I'm so scared. So she ran out. And they're like, well, where are you? So she gives them the address. And she's like, you know, I'm at 123 Main Street. It's approximately 13.3 miles from the bowling alley. Who the fuck knows what 13.3 miles is? Uh, When you live in – it's a thing. She's 10. I'm going to talk – we, no, it's a thing. Or is that for just small the lifestyle towns. out there? It's it's a thing because even here, like <clears throat> we don't know mileage very well. Be or be I I blame it on traffic because it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. We always say it's five minutes away. It's ten minutes away. We say minutes in California, but out here, I noticed even in Florida, like I live in a small town in Florida, and it's miles. They go by miles. And That's so I'm weird. I'm like, I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. You're like, okay, but so. how long? <laughs> I know you say yeah. miles, but how long will it take? But me what to get does there? that even mean? Yeah, so I'm assuming yeah. that's like the nearest, like, I don't know, yes. population yes. or whatever. So 13 miles away is, let's yes. say, where help is coming from. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, she describes in great detail what happened. She's like, I'm outside. 
I'm wearing purple pajamas. This is my address. It's 13 miles from the bowling alley, etc. And she's like, please hurry, please hurry. I want my mom. And the operator was just like consoling her. God, it's so fucking heartbreaking. Um, so once they arrive, um, the, the first responders start going through the house and they're kind of just making sure everything's clear and they discover that Robin was the sole survivor. Um, so the first cop, the first cop that showed up to the scene, um, he, I forgot his name. I didn't write it down, but he remembers her running up to him and just like hugging him so tight. And once the, um, I think it was like the captain or whatever. Once they came out of the house, they're like, you need to hold on to that little girl. You cannot let her out of her sight, out of your sight. Like she's the only fucking mm-hmm. one that survived. So he's like, mm-hmm. okay. So he starts kind of just like distracting her. And he's like, oh, so mm-hmm. what do you like to do? She went from like panic to, oh, let's go feed my animals. That's This mm-hmm. is what I want to do. And then like it kind of goes back to her and she's like, all I remember is he was trying to feed my pigs this and I had to smack it out of his hand because it's like, you don't feed them that. And then Mm -hmm. they cut back to the cop and he's like, I can't believe like this little girl is telling me like, this is not what you're going to feed my animals. Mm -hmm. And then like she goes back to like breaking down and then she goes back to just being like a normal kid. Like it's crazy. Yeah, And she was like, the whole time that we were feeding the animals, I just wanted to ask, like, is everybody okay? But I couldn't ask it. And then she's like, you know, we were playing with the animals. We were kind of walking around. And then I I finally had to ask, like, my family's not going to walk out of there, are they? And she's like, the look on their faces when they had to tell me no was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you think it's heartbreaking? (laughs) Yeah. How do you think, you know, it was probably like Mm -hmm. so fucking hard for them. Yeah. Um, okay. So after this asshole's rampage through the house, um, the intruder had driven to El Paso, Texas. Mm. He crossed okay, so this is I don't even know where this place is, but from Pampa, Texas to El Paso. Um, he crossed the border into Mexico and for some reason decided to return only hours later. Uh, He was detained by the U.S. Border Patrol officers who found guns in his car. After they fingerprinted him and pulled his file, they saw that he was wanted for questioning about some Missouri shootings. Oh, my goodness. Once detained, 23-year-old scum of the earth, Levi King, explained that he had gotten angry because his father had kicked him out of the house back in Missouri, and he decided to steal his dad's guns and go out to shoot people. Real quick, Pampa, Texas is um, North Texas, outside of Amarillo, and it's oh, shit. Uh, five, approximately 500 miles from El Paso. Okay. okay, and he drove about 500 miles from Missouri to Pampa. Jesus. Yeah, which is insane. So um, that's like when he gets the itch, is after 500? Yeah. It's like the 500-mile itch. Um. <laughs> So on September 29th, 2005, the day before the family shooting, Levi King murdered Orly McCool and his daughter Dawn McCool, and they were later found by a relative. Um, After the McCool shooting, he stole Orly McCool's pickup truck and headed to Texas. So Dawn McCool, one of the one that was murdered, her son... Um, when he showed up to the house, he noticed that the grandpa's car was missing or the truck was missing. And uh-huh. so they let the police know. So there was already like uh-huh. a missing uh, truck. And that's why when he came back over the border, 
they pulled the um like the mm-hmm. license plate they found out the truck was missing he mm-hmm. was like you know they were looking for him for questioning etc <clears throat> um so an interview i watched the former district attorney lynn switzer working on the case was like why this house why this family and the only answer seems that it was like 100% random, which is fucking terrifying. So he wow. booked it from Missouri, was just kind of driving through Texas, saw this random house on this desolate highway and was like, yeah, that one. And he broke mm-hmm. it. And they think it was between like 2 and 3 a.m. Okay. Um, so in Texas, there was nothing. No fingerprints, no DNA, no robbery, no anything. They had absolutely no leads. Um, they had shell casings and a tire truck. And that's it. Um, at the family's funeral, the police were so desperate, they set up uh, surveillance in an attempt in an attempt to find something sketchy, someone acting weird, someone that maybe didn't belong there, um, and nothing came of that. So <clears throat> once in custody in Missouri uh, for the McCool murders, Levi asked to speak to one of the detectives. And he says... You know, there's four more bodies in Texas, right? And they're like, excuse me? What? Uh, So they began trying to find these four bodies. But remember, in Texas, there were only three victims because Robin survived. Right. So it took them a little bit to put the pieces together, um, but they did. If not for his random confession, who knows how long it would have taken for, for the to family to it. find justice, if ever. Like, they may not have mm-hmm. ever fucking found him. Mm-hmm. Um, since Levi confessed to all five murders on his own, uh, the two in Missouri and the three in Texas, preparation for the trials began fairly quickly. Uh, in Missouri, Levi took a, ble- a plea deal. Of course he fucking did. Uh, to avoid execution, he agreed to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. In Texas, they wanted to give him the the death penalty. They didn't want him to just get off with just life in prison. Uh, the former DA, Lynn Switzer, <laughs> it auto-corrected to Switzerland, um, <laughs> she, she says, if any man were ever to be executed, it was this one. Like, this man needs to fucking die. <clears throat> but of course, they tried to play the mental illness card to try and oh, get yeah. some sympathy or leniency from the jury. Uh, Levi was one of seven children growing up in dire circumstances. Um, Actually, his house was a piece of shit. It was like falling apart. Um, But still, he Mm -hmm. uh, showed signs of antisocial behavior, fire starting, uh, animal killing, probably bedwetting, but that wasn't reported. So you heard it first (laughs) here. A true crime girls exclusive. (laughs) Um, so hey, I used to wet the bed, bitch. Yeah, but you didn't kill animals. Oh, you did like to start fires. <gasps> better watch Ooh, yourself, you better watch out, uh, bitches. I'm in Florida. You, you, you better watch yourself, Janine. You drove a thousand miles. Okay, I can do it too. <laughs> I love way you more just, than a thousand miles. You I'm just sure. ruined our <laughs> season four exclusive. God damn it. Get ready for season five. <laughs> <laughs> Five, jeez, um, you skipped four. No, she ruined her season no, four. Season, season four is going to be my trial. Yeah, we we're going to cover Eileen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So season five, yeah. you guys can just <clears throat> reminisce on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> season five can be um, breaking down seasons one, two, and three to see where you miss the signs. Oh, God. Yeah, that's good. Never wanted to do anything. Left everything to the last minute. 
Never signed, never signed off, never said goodbye. <laughs> um, so they tried to like paint this picture of like, wow, poor Levi. Um, but you know, like, okay. just like everything yeah. else, you're not the only one with these circumstances. Like, right. he was one of, he had six other siblings that grew up in the exact same fucking house. They didn't go off and, mm-hmm. you know, murder somebody mm-hmm. in a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. After seven to eight hours of deliberation in Texas, the trial ended up, uh, or no, after the Texas trial, they ended up giving him life without parole. They couldn't all agree on the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the main badass of the story, Angel Robin, she seems to be thriving. Um, everyone from the 911 operator to the first responders to everyone else involved in the case in their community, uh, they cannot help but gush about her and how articulate she was that morning. Um, how strong and collected she remained through the investigation and the trial and kind of like the aftermath of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny because she she's a natural blonde. And then like after this, she was kind of jumping from like house to house, like from families to friends, to, you know, like caretakers and stuff. And so everybody was kind of just like waiting, like on the edge, like when is she going to crack? Like when is she going to like lose her shit? Right. Um, so she she dyed her hair black and they were like, oh, that's it. She's lost it like that. She's going crazy. <laughs> and she's like, I just wanted people to leave me alone. So I thought if yeah. I colored my hair, like I might be less recognizable. Yeah. Um. So in this um, episode that I watched the 48 hours, the only time she really expressed like any regret or any like what could I have done? is she's kind of thinking out loud like what could i have done like could i have gone into my brother's room and like maybe tried to save him like would that have like made a difference and she's no, like but she would have I probably have. died yeah yeah she's like i would have died too he would have seen me like where i guess the way the house was like set up if i would have gone into my brother's room we would have both been dead and mm-hmm. the brother there was no signs that he had ever like woken up so he mm-hmm. just he was just asleep so he never hopefully like felt any pain because he died immediately. Yeah. Um, so today, Robin, I believe, is 23. Um, she stated wow. that she wants to be a pediatric nurse and be one of the first point of contact for children who need help when they come into the hospital. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. Um, I wanted to end. So that's it. Robin fucking survived. Like a Robin is a queen. I know. She truly is, though. Um, oh. Although she is um, doing seemingly well, given everything she's had to endure, um, at the end of the day, she's a sole survivor uh, of her family's murder. So, you know, she does have yeah. that PTSD. She has a lot of issues that she has to kind of, like, work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to end with a quick quote. I am very superstitious, I guess. The day that everything happened, I had on socks and I had on long sleeves and long pants. Till this day, I will not sleep in long sleeves or long pants or socks. I will not sleep with my door open again because I feel like there's a figure of a person standing in my doorway. I'm scared of the dark. When I walk into the house, I know and I know that I'm there by myself. I will go through every single nook and cranny of the house to make sure that there was no one in there. The dates that are really hard are birthdays. Zach's birthday, mom's birthday, Brian's birthday. Even my birthday is hard because I don't like celebrating it without them. 
I just have those days where I want my mommy or my stepdad or I want my brother and I want things to go back to normal and you just can't help but burst into tears. Oh. And that's the story of Robin Doan. You know, she, in the interview that I watched, she seems to carry herself really well. Can you see what? Your notes real quick? Yeah. I want to ask a question, but I want to make sure you didn't answer it and I just didn't hear it. Um... She seems to be doing really well. Um, she carries mm-hmm. herself really well. She kind of speaks uh, clearly and very, I mean, again, she's probably told the story a million times, so it's probably right. just like re- repetitive to her. Um, but for somebody mm-hmm. hearing it for the first time, like myself, she just seems like, I don't know, like a miracle human, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like just doing so well after all these years and everything that she had to go through. And she says yeah. that she misses her dog. Sometimes she just like wants to curl up with her dog. And I'm like, oh my no, god, no, not Molly, no, not the dog. I forgot <laughs> I just, about the dog. Why didn't you mention the dog again? I know she's she's really pretty. She she's seems, fucking beautiful. As a little girl, she looks so. Oh, she cute. looks like a goddamn angel, like a tr- like a child model. She could have been. Mm-hmm. She's so fucking pretty. Like Jambonet. Yeah, but a natural blonde. Yeah. <sighs> These were oh. really terrible stories. <laughs> Why did we do this? Yeah. I mean, it is true crime. The dog. I Why and the I was, dog? I was thinking about doing um, an I Survived like Karen always fucking does. But mm-hmm. I just didn't want to watch anything. But even yeah. reading like these articles was tough. Yeah. And like I have a plethora of articles about mine that I will be putting in the show notes. That go into like a lot of more detail than I did. Like I summarized, but there was there's because it happened so like recent. Yeah, so many articles. So the YouTube video that I watched, um, I'll link it. But just yeah. a forewarning, it's terrible because <laughs> it's one of those where like it's um like if they put the real thing, it'd be like a copyright thing. So they have like this really shitty background, and then like it pauses and it the sounds terrible, but. That's okay. where I got most of my information from, so I'll link it anyway for anybody who wants okay. to watch it. And then we'll have the um, oh, the heartbreaking 911 recording. Yeah. Mm. So sad. Merp. I know. So sad. But a bit. So sad, but I mean, these were good. These were good stories. Yeah, and it just like, like it not, makes you yeah. feel so good and like appreciative of what you have, I guess. Mm-hmm. That you're alive. And and it just shows the strength that people can have in such horrible situations. So I know. And just like Eileen's a fucking three year old. Like just Mm -hmm. I guess you just have that instinct to survive. Little babies. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, shit. I know. (laughs) Well shit. Sorry for the downer, everybody. Uh, these were really good stories (laughs) though. They were. They were. They were really good stories. Um, We hoped that you enjoyed them. Like we said, we'll be having like a bunch of stuff on our show notes, which will be at truecrimegirls.com. So you don't miss anything. Make sure you're following us on all of the social medias. We are on Instagram, basically everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, technically Twitter, but Um, at truecrimegirls.com. You can email us, truecrimegirls at gmail.com. We have our individual Instagrams, Kylie TCG, Janine TCG, and Eileen TCG. So, yeah, I mean, make sure that you follow us everywhere. 
please follow us everywhere. Just don't follow us home, though. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. Eileen's willing yep. to drive a thousand miles, guys. So maybe she'll follow your ass home. Yeah. So watch out. <laughs> All, All right, right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.